Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today I've got a little bit of a special episode. It's a recording of the How I Quit Alcohol grads group we did last week and every month I get a guest speaker in to come and talk to the group about a different topic. And last week I had Shane Turner. Shane is a senior yoga teacher. He's also the husband of the wonderful Lissy Turner, who's a frequent guest on this podcast. And he came in to talk to the group about spirituality and how he uses spirituality to keep himself centered, how using those practices can help us through sobriety with whatever stage we're at. It was a beautiful conversation. And what I loved about Shane's message was that it doesn't have to be complicated. I just, I loved his message and that's why I wanted to put it out on the podcast. He also starts the call with a little bit of breath work. So if you're listening in, please don't do the exercise while you're driving. I hope you really enjoy this episode and this conversation. I know so many of the people in the grads group absolutely loved it. We got so much out of it and it was just, like I say, it was a beautiful conversation. So without further ado, here is the How I Quit Alcohol grads group with Shane Turner. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for having me in your space, welcoming me, welcoming me to the group. I feel quite honoured and I'm quite excited to be hanging out with a bunch of new faces. Spirituality, I will, I will speak to that straight away. I guess it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's a word that can be quite loaded. For me, I was raised as a Catholic. I was brought up um, in the 70s with quite strict, you know, um, alcoholic father and um, he turned back towards the church to kind of steer him back and and um, we were you know raised in that kind of weekend church thing so that was my first kind of like you know experience of spirituality and um, that gave me a lot of 
things to look at and to experience. It also gave me a lot of things to, I guess, um, compare with what resonates with me and actually what really doesn't resonate with me. Essentially, spirituality is a conscious activity where you connect to something much deeper than your desires, which might be hunger or, or thirst or for entertainment or for distraction. And it's available in every moment, in every single location you will ever arrive in until you die. And that's probably one of the most spiritual moments that we'll get to experience. So everything is actually a practice for death. So at that moment, we become as, as, as at peace and as aware and as free as we can possibly be. So until that moment, let's have a good time. We'll spend the next two or so minutes just kind of sitting upright or kneeling upright or just becoming a little bit more active in the way you are holding a shape within your body. And if you're comfortable do, to do so, close the eyes down. Feel free to keep them open. But the basis of this practice is a physical one. We're a human, as Danny mentioned. So we're having this human experience. This human body. So feel the physical shape you're in. Become aware through the gaze descending down into the feet, wherever the feet are. Notice the feet, the knees. Become aware of your breathing. It's already happening, but let's become a little bit more intimately involved. So watch its length. See and feel what it's doing to the body where you're breathing into and where you're breathing from. Follow your next breath all the way to its end point till there's no more breath. And then breathe in as if you're delivering the breath all the way to your feet. Smiling with the eyes. There doesn't have to be a physical smile in the mouth, but the eyes are softly smiling in their relaxed state and then breathing out and then breathe in next time to your knees. It's like having a conversation via the breath, via that loving gaze to the knees. There you are, see you, breathing into you. Next breath, breathe into the hips. Again, there's this intimate interaction with your hips, with the breath, the eyes, the smiling eyes. And start to breathe more into the pelvic bowl as if your breath is filling up your pelvic bowl. You might notice a bit of a, a lifting through the spine. Next breath, breathe more into the belly. Let the belly be as soft as it can be. Let the ballooning elevate you and expand you. And stay lifted through the spine when you breathe out. And next breath. Breathe more up into the higher belly, more into the rib cage and the chest, maybe even to the, the back between the shoulder blades. Every breath is lifting you and elevating you. Breathing out, next breath. Breathe more into the throat, the sides of the neck, the back of the neck, right up into the base of the skull. That breath is lifting the top of the spine right up into the base of the skull. 
And now just become aware of the skull itself. Relax the temples, the jaw, side of the skull, the forehead. Everything's softening. Just visualize or actualize, actually feeling everything softening within the skull. The space between the teeth at the tip of the tongue nest softly to the roof of the mouth. And feel as though you're looking with the eyes closed directly out at eyebrow level, as if you were sitting on the peak of the mountain at the center of your skull. And just take three longer breaths, slowing that breath down, filling the whole body and feeling the very top of your skull move into the space above it. Let it stay suspended there as you exhale. The shoulders can perhaps relax a bit more. Next two breaths, breathing in long and slow and deep. Fill the whole body, feel the shape you're in. Feel the top of the head lift up. And then hold the breath for two, three, four seconds. Just so you become aware of holding it. But don't hold it with any tension. Let it go. Follow the breath all the way out as if you're holding the rope and walking your hands along to the edge of the rope, the end of your breath. There it is. One more. Smooth, long, deep, relaxed, but full inhale. And again, holding the breath two, three, four, five, maybe six seconds. Just find the edge. Take yourself to the edge. Don't bring or invite tension in or any force in. Let it all go. As the breath spills out through the nostrils, this time let the chin come towards the chest. The nodding of the head, there's a, a turning of the gaze more in the direction of the heart. Bowing in towards the heart, the heart space. Often given the, the home of or the residence of spirit, our essence. And let the eyes open and see if you can allow the eyes to remain soft as if they're smiling immediately at whatever it is that they're seeing. And then you can slowly bring the gaze forward and bring yourself back into this community, these other people, Danny's smiling face and amazing hair and whatever else you observe. Beautiful. Thank you. I really love that part where we were suspending the skull in the space above it. That was really lovely. Yeah, this is what we want to do. We want to get high. We want to get elevated. We want to get this position within ourselves, even when we're feeling compressed or when we're weighed down or when we're burdened. Just that recognition to like, oh, actually, I can still get high. I can still elevate. I can sit tall or I can stand tall for a moment. And I can take a longer breath and I can let the breath help me to create space. And then tension kind of dissolves. And if tension dissolves, you know, then we're 50 or 60% back out in front to where we, we might have been in our, you know, better days or our better moments. Wow, that's amazing. So if you're feeling 
tension or feeling constriction in the body to actually take that moment to literally bring yourself higher, bring your mind higher, expanding your breath. That's yeah, ten tension's great, you know. People who piss people who piss you off, they're great. Things that agitate you, because that's that's where we get, you know, into the, the, the juicy conversations. It's easy to be, you know, peaceful if we're sitting up in a mountain and you know, we've got twelve monks around us with candles all, you know, chanting and you know, it's twenty seven and a half degrees and the birds are chirping. That's you know, there's no challenge there. It's freaking beautiful and it's a spiritual experience. But that's, you know, that's at the extreme end. It's not necessarily the the day-to-day uh, practice that's available to us. One thing I find about you, Shane, is that you're literally unflappable. I've always said this about you. It's like you can have all the shit and craziness going on around outside you, but you're always very steady. And I asked you before everyone came into the call, is that how you feel inside? Do you actually feel that steady calmness inside you all the time? And you said, yes. Yeah. You said, I still have mind fluctuations. I still have moments where the mind sways in and out, but you're not so carried away with that. And how you use these practices to keep you there? I guess I have, I do, my, I have a disposition to be quite steady and quite calm. But early on, I also found that that is also from holding on to a lot, um, absorbing a lot and containing a lot, which is not a healthy practice because then at some point there has to be a lid that's released. And, you know, I've had moments in my life where I've completely shocked myself and surprised myself and scared, you know, my own children or, you know, my, my partner or scared myself just with volume or with, physical movement or with actions, you know. So you, we've got to find that that middle ground where we contain a level of composure and, and we do absorb stuff, but we're also releasing at the same time. And I guess that's where I've, I've really started to sharpen, you know, my arrow towards that kind of a, a daily practice where I'm feeling stuff and sensing stuff and responding to stuff and recognizing it and letting go what I can and, and absorbing and containing what's relevant to me. Yeah, I think that's the practice, isn't it? Too like noticing, okay, what can we let go of here? What do I need to hold on to perhaps to either work on or maybe I need to activate myself a bit, but also what can I let go of? What can I let slide so that we can stay fairly, fairly stable? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I Un unruffleable on the outside doesn't necessarily mean that you know my buttons aren't being pushed on the inside and um, my feathers, my internal feathers aren't ruffled. You mm -hmm. know, they they they're always being ruffled and and buttons are always being pushed. And I think regular practices, however they look, whatever they like, if we've got them, we've got these tools and these practices, we're less likely to react. And, and, and less often and for shorter periods of time. So mm. we're returning to that, you know, that steady homeostasis much more frequently and, and much more easily. Yeah. And what I also think is important at the times when we don't, where we don't maintain that homeostasis, when we do kind of, the, you know, things get ruffled and it comes out externally as well, that we allow 
space to forgive ourselves for that when that does happen and that we can say okay I didn't you know I didn't quite get there this time but perhaps next time I will and it's I think that self-compassion is really important yeah I think compassion is number one Mm. compassion is number one and um, I heard someone speak quite a few years ago and and compassion needs to be its own own practice that we just continue to pull out of our, our out of our tool bag, out of our pocket all the time and have compassion for ourselves and really start to make sure that we are always compassionate for ourselves when we say something wrong or we make a mistake or we we don't perform as we you know would ideally have liked because until we can have compassion for ourselves, it's a big one for me actually. It's easy to be compassionate for other people often but it's much more harder and difficult to be compassionate for yourself. So you can't actually genuinely be compassionate, like genuinely towards someone else until, you know, you're compassionate towards yourself. Otherwise it's a, it's almost a forced practice that doesn't have, you know, the right depth to it. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I guess one of the things I want to address as well with these guys and, I've, you know, for some of the people in the group, there's some faces that I'm looking at where we've had this conversation over email or text or phone where, you know, some of these guys are very early sobriety and then some of them are around the two-year mark and everything else in between. And what some of them have spoken to me before about, okay, what's next for me? Or if I want to delve into my spiritual side, how do I do that? And how do you get into that? next step of opening yourself up and even trusting that this is the right thing for me is it too woo woo I mean there's so many things that people say well is it manly I mean you're you're very manly and you're very spiritual um you know I hear that from some of the guys is it too out there and so I want to talk a bit about how we can start to explore our more spiritual side and, and how that might support us through sobriety or support us through hard times I think everyone probably has something that they absolutely love or adore, whether it's, I don't know, um, pottery or walking along the beach or swimming or or surfing or fishing or whatever these, you know, we often call them hobbies, I suppose. Sometimes we turn towards those things and we, if we become aware of, how we are or the feelings that we're having when we're doing these most favourite things, these things we turn towards and that bring us, you know, such immense joy. And we we actually, you know, use the word love. I love doing this. Then we can start to feel what, you know, a spiritual practice is because when you're connecting to something that you are pouring your attention into, so there's you, there's that, attention that that is you pouring into something which is the object or the action you know that's a meditation that's a spiritual practice so you can kind of start to gauge what spiritual practices are you know and I, I talked about the candles and the monks and a mountain and you know that is going to be one but so is you know walking along the beach as the sun rises because you know we've all probably done that at least once in our life and you feel something, you turn towards that sunrise and you kind of stop for a moment. You you just pause and you deeply connect. The, the conversation goes deeper. It's not just, oh, look at that sun. There's a conversation that's beyond the words and it's much more 
much more connected to something far, far in, which is, you know, what you might call your true self or the Atman in yoga. And and that's that's spirit. You're connecting to spirit. So anything that make that anything that brings you joy, I believe is, you know, essentially a spiritual practice. And we can turn the volume up. Sometimes we're like, I wanna, I wanna I want to really fat focus in on you know what it is a spiritual practice and you can turn the lights down and you can get candles and you might have music on and, and do some movement with the body and sit and maybe a chant you can turn the volume up and down on a spiritual practice i guess it doesn't have to look or appear you know or sound a certain way it doesn't have to subscribe to any religion or, or specific ways i think that's very important Absolutely. I mean, there's one thing Mark Purser says to me is that making your bed is a spiritual practice, putting all your attention into making that bed and getting all the creases out. And I think about that every morning when I make my bed, I think this is part of my spiritual practice. Yeah, I'm a big fan, a big fan of that. And early on in my 20s, I got into yoga and I thought I had to go to a yoga class to to become evolved or enlightened. And I had to do lots of yoga or asana with my body to then be able to sit for a long time so that in that seated position I would then find some more knowledge and I actually kind of found out that I was already I already have all the knowledge we already have all the knowledge that's kind of the the get out of jail free card it's just like oh we are actually enlightened we are actually spiritual beings we have all of the knowledge we just have to find areas and spaces and moments where we can we can plug into that you know and and for for people like us who live in the mundane we work we might have kids we find you know ceremony or ritual everywhere we can you can't get anal about it otherwise you'll never get to work or you'll never freaking you know get to doing the doing the dishes but every day we've got to make the bed. So make it make it a deeper conversation. And you'll appreciate that at the end of the day, you know. I one of my biggest spiritual practice became the dishes because no one else in my house would bloody do them. And you know, we there was a time where we had six kids, so there's a lot of dishes. And I was the sucker who was like, Well, I just gonna do them. No one else is. That's not true. Lissy does do them sometimes, and the other kids, you know half do them but it became my practice and I was just like you know what this is me this is I'm here for half an hour every night I'm going to become aware of where my feet are I'm going to be aware of my breath I'm going to be aware of this one plate and it's it that leans to more you know the Zen Buddhist and Thich Nhat Hanh and those type practices and and that's as simple as that you you find your ritual you find your ceremony and there's a level of peace that the nervous system just become soothed your breath slows down your heart expands you know everything slows down and you become deeply involved and deeply connected to the mundane things rather than hating the dishes which you know i still do sometimes rather than things bringing you tension or taking away from your life they can actually very much give to your life they can make your life better <laughs> and it's as simple as that yeah, that's so beautiful, Shane. I love that, making everything a deeper conversation. 
everything that you're doing if we can bring ourselves right into what we're doing so we're not kind of all over the shop but we're in that moment that's pure mindfulness you know everyone could try that tomorrow like every first thing you're doing in the morning whatever that is making your coffee or making your bed yeah dialing it up and being so in it that it becomes a spiritual practice whatever it is you're doing and then suddenly it's not mundane anymore it's something that you're actually enjoying like making the kids lunches or getting them out the door like how stable can I be here whilst I'm getting everyone out the door, you know, in the chaos that happens first thing on a Monday morning. I absolutely love that. I love that so much. And and no force is a, is a big one. You know, your mind is aware of one thing, you know, the one thing. Because we live, you know, it's 2023. We're blessed and cursed with all of the bells and the whistles, you know, in our phone and, in our house and as soon as we walk out the door so it's amazing it's incredible but at the same time it's ridiculously distracting from us ever being present with one single breath or with one dish that we wash or one time we make the bed so we've got to bring discipline in and bring ritual in and and it can become a beautiful ceremony and if you ever go to bali or some of these other places where the cultures are still quite old in their ways and, and you watch the Balinese fold serviettes and put their knife and forks at set the table and receive demanding, obnoxious, you know, requests from tourists, you know, get me one more of this or this was, you know, no good and they'll just smile and, and bow and be unruffled and come back, you know. Being in service, being in service takes us outside of the ego or outside of ourselves. And it's very, very liberating for, for the spirit. It's very rewarding for our own spirit. Yeah, absolutely. No force. It's a big thing, no force. You know, sometimes we get these practices, we might get into asana or we might get into meditation or we might get into jogging or, or, or whatever and we might miss the fourth day in a row, we might get pissed off and upset. We just have to be very mindful of force, force. Force breeds tension. You know, force is the opposite of the natural way in the natural world. Everything is happening. Everything's happening. You know, everything's moving. Everything's dancing. And if one thing says, no, I'm going to do this, and the other thing says, no, I'm going to do this, then there's tension. Yeah. And that tension, when there's tension, we then we need to look for release. And sometimes, you know, that's not always a very favourable time to be looking for some sort of a release or an outlet. You know, it can be in our actions or in our words, which mm. are so mindful. That's that's right. And that's why these practices are so good, because just bringing the attention back out of that, when the mind is really fluctuating, that if we can bring our attention back through whatever the practice is, but particularly mindfulness, and suddenly everything calms down, the mind settles down, the nervous system calms down, and we become the master again, not the mind being the master. And, yep, sorry, Matt, you've got a question for Shane? I think a while back I I went through, well, I don't know, I just seemed, I did seem to struggle with the day-to-day chores and I almost resented. The first step for me was the acceptance. Once I started accepting this is, well, I do have a mundane life, like a lot of people do. Shane made, um, made a good point. And once I accepted 
the the suffering and the struggle started to disappear. And while I I don't know if I'm if I'm there in a spiritual place yet with doing the dishes and that, the acceptance is there, and therefore it's it's it flows like water now. Maybe the next step is finding the Zen in in the moment, but yeah, acceptance for me was a big a big step in, in a lot of things. It's just that simple. Once you accept, you stop suffering. Yeah, I, I love that, brother. Yeah, I mean, acceptance is surrendering to the moment. You know, there's no more resistance. You know, that is Zen. You know, that is. We don't have to look for spirituality, and we don't have to look for Zen. Zen is everything. You know, and everything is spirit. Everything that is alive and animated is moving. Is moving because of spirit or because of a life force or because of an essence that's connected to God or to the divine or to source or to just something incredibly intelligent, whatever it is, it's extremely intelligent. The way the trees grow, the way a woman can have a baby, the way we can have all sorts of disease and ailments and the body is continually healing itself. You know, like we live in this ridiculous vibration of intelligence that appears to us in the form of humans and dogs and trees and rivers and and you need to accept <laughs> that that is zen you know as soon as we become present oh i'm i'm breathing into this body that is a zen moment it's no longer an unconscious moment we're consciously involved and in, and in showing up as the person you were born to be so that's pretty pretty aligned with with spirit and 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 the physical being that you are it doesn't spirituality doesn't look like something you know zen doesn't look like something it feels like something and that's very important to recognize that's why i know i say you know surfing or walking or you know when when you feel something that's that's beyond the mundane it's in the mundane but it's coming from beyond the mundane. You know, you can be doing the dishes and thoughts everywhere, or you can then just go, oh, wow, look at that water flowing. And yeah, my shoulders, okay, I'm breathing. And that plate is clean. You know, that's, there's a, a deep connection to the mundane in that moment. Yeah. And there's space and there's presence. Love it. Amazing. So what about Shane, like say you're getting just slammed with something, something really big's happening. Like this, you, you lost your job and fucking the kids are driving you crazy and everything's coming. You feel like everything's coming down at you once and you're getting very, we'd call it nervous regulation, uh, dysregulation of the nervous system. But you know, when your mind's just getting off wigged out, you're wigging out and wigging out. And, you know, and in some cases, people might want to go for a drink or go and gamble or go and masturbate like a mofo. You know, like there's all these ways in which people want to distract themselves from that feeling because it feels so fucking yuck. Now, what what do you do, Shane, at that point? Like when if things are coming at you, is is it the same kind of thing? you pull, Like how do you pull yourself back into a place of, homeostasis when everything's at you all at once in that uh, moment what, like what's your toolkit what do you do i primarily take a big drink of breath you know like i i think we all do it like 
when you're really getting stressed, you're like, you know, you're like, we do it. It's it's part of the intelligent design to actually do it. Um, or we'll hold our breath, or we'll just, you know, suck a big one in and we'll 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 grip. I, I, it's as simple as that. I take a breath. I take a breath. The breath is available to us every second, every moment, night or day. When I'm 88, hopefully I'm still breathing at 88, but wherever we are, male, female, young or old, in a cave, in an office, whatever, in a car, the breath is available. It's number one. Sometimes you need two breaths. Sometimes you'll need three. Sometimes you'll need to have three breaths and walk the fuck outside and get some bigger space around you. Sometimes you'll need to yell. You know, there was an incident back a couple of years, a few years back um, at our old property and we had a punching bag outside. And, you know, I think those closest to us, not mentioning any names, but Lissy, my beautiful wife, you know, she might've said something to me in the kitchen. I took a breath and I was so ruffled. The temperature rose. I, you know, everything, all of the tension. And I took a breath. I walked straight outside and I just kicked the shit out of this punching bag that one of the teenagers had hanging up. And it was amazing. It was, you know, pretty physical. And then I came back in and I just, I just came back in like within a few more breaths, almost just so peaceful and clear. And I remember actually at the time, weeks and weeks, weeks later, you know, Lissy said, oh, I really, I really admired and appreciated that time when you went outside and I heard you kicking the, the punching bag because I came in evolved. I came in improved. I came in in a, in a, a far superior state than, you know, had I, had I stayed in that pressure moment, had I tried to force my way back into, you know, being right or, or debating or proving myself. So the breath creates a little bit of space and then maybe we can take two bits of space. Maybe we go outside and find more space. Space is the key because then there's less tension and then there's less tension and less tension and then we can start to see the heart rate slows, the temperature drops, the nervous system soothes a little bit and then we might stand a chance of proving our point or, <laughs> or not worrying about proving our point anymore or whatever it is. Mm. And, and that's what's beautiful too. And well done for that, by the way, that it's all, it's, it's there. It's in us. It's available. It's free. It's just, it's there. It's the breath is there. The breath is our anchor. And if we can get back to there in those times when we really need it. And like you said earlier, that's, it's not the sitting on the mountain where everything's perfect, where we grow and evolve and we get better at life. It's, it's when we're in those moments. Mm -hmm. I love that quote a smooth seas never made a skillful sailor it's yeah it's, right i've never i've never heard that i love that yeah it's it's the rough seas that uh that's what that's when we grow when we have those opportunities to respond differently or show up show up differently so absolutely yeah and that's why it's important not to be hard on yourself when you are you know if the inner critic's going crazy or if we're having a rough time and we feel like i should be doing this better no, I, th I think it's this is an opportunity to yeah. look and reflect and work on our compassion towards ourselves or what can we learn, but in a very gentle way, like you and Lissy always say, hold everything lightly. And so to look back 
at whatever you've just gone through or what you might be going through, can I hold this lightly? Can I look at this more lightly? Yeah. Bro, that's right. Um, Kim, you want to ask a question? Um, Is it the same thing if you're having that stress and then you take a breath and then you grab a cushion and actually shout into the cushion so no one can hear you, but it actually releases a lot of tension? Well, I find at least. Is that sort of similar? That is exactly this, you know, they say in Bali, same, same, but different. Yeah. Same effect, but different way. You know, there are so, there are many ways. There are many ways. It's a, it's a great, um, it's a great uh, little mantra to have, you know, in, in daily life. There are many ways. There are many ways to make the bed. There are many ways to do the dishes. Tomorrow night, there'll be a different way, you know, like you might scream in the cushion for five years. But it might not work after a while, so you might have to try something different. Or, mm. or you know, there there are many ways. When we when we get fixed on one way and it has to look like this, or you know, Shane said this, or in yoga, my yoga teacher said this. You know, that's bullshit. That's just an example to remind you and your own intelligence of a way to release tension, to find space, to respond differently mm, thanks yeah and enjoy enjoy finding your ways you know enjoy navigating new ways of doing things it's super important for growth and expansion as as a as an in, individual on this path is to to do things different it might not work but you've done something different you've come out of a groove you might go back into that groove but you've come out of the groove and you've tried something else so it sparks an in you know a curiosity it it it, it, expi- it sparks inquiry you know it sparks a more conscious involvement for a moment perhaps than the groove you're always in oh that's so true trying things differently that's right because yeah we can kind of sometimes get fixated on doing things in in one certain way because someone's told us that's what we should do but there's so many different things that we can try. It's I think it's well, you know, it's asking your body too. What do I need right now? What do I? What do I? What would help me right now? What mm. can I do myself? Yeah, it's great, beautiful. Love that, Shane. Yeah, In- inquiry is a big one. Inquiry is huge because it's it's you're becoming intimately involved in the conversation that's already happening. Your body's already always inquiring. It's just like okay, we need more red blood cells, we need more white blood cells, we need to get rid of more toxins here, we need to, you know, expel this matter, we need to produce more of this, what's, you know, it's always talking to itself, you know, the the whole outside world is always talking to itself, so the conversation is happening, we can just kind of, in the moments where the conditions are favourable, we, we get involved in, in the conversation, talk to the tree, you know, feel the breeze, You're like, ah, oh, that's the breeze, I can feel that, you know, yeah. it's just simple. It's got to be simple. Spirituality is not complicated. It's not complex. It's the opposite. You know, it's it's the most available and, and simple thing that's happening. You know, it gets packaged up and, you know, I think someone put up a comment before we were so conditioned to bottle things up. You know, we've come from decades and decades and generations and generations of disease and, and famine and war and depression and all sorts of stuff so the 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 coping mechanisms 
from then that have been passed on to us are outdated and, and they're in our fabric and we need to recognize that they're there and bow towards them and see them and go, oh, thank you, but I'm going to try something different. You know, love, love the, the patterns, love the, the tension, love the, the things that push your buttons, love, you know, recognizing where you become uncomfortable because it's like, oh, okay, this feels really crap, great. Um, okay, what, like Danny was just saying, what do I need? Okay, maybe I can try this. And you kind of become, well, you can become quite alive and present in that moment. As opposed to going, oh fuck that, no, no, and then you avoid and you be kind of you you kind of close off, and you go down, you know, an old road or a deep groove. Absolutely. We're born, we're we're born to let go, you know. In that we we, we were taught and we we saw our parents and grandparents bottle things up, you know, sweep it under the carpet. You know, it's great on the surface. Until that moment, you've got to go a bit deeper. Then you've got a lot of dust and crap to deal with. Old ways that we we recognise in ourselves, we kind of go, "Oh, great! That's that doesn't no longer serve me," and and really love it and bow towards it and let it go because we're born to let go. And I'm only just getting that now. I'm 49. I've been I was lucky, fortunate to get involved with asana and and meditation in my early 20s. I ate a meat pie when I was driving along as a tradesman on, on the Gold Coast and, and threw my neck out because I was rushing around and I was just trying to do so much, quickly eating a hot meat pie, way too hot, but I had to eat it quickly and threw my neck out and went and saw this um, osteopath who was not just kind of an osteopath, he had a few more tools in his kit. And he said, Shane, I'll give you some advice. Find you know, the stuff you love. Really make sure it's part of your your routine and and keep doing it like surfing and things and move your body. Get into yoga. I was told to get into yoga. I was given that advice, so I, I turned towards that and and I'm very grateful because I had an anchor. I used to drink a lot. I used to drink all day, every day, and and keep functioning. And so then I I found something I could pour myself into. So I just did. I just kept pouring myself into it and more and more into it. And then I realized then I was in this trap of trying to get more of that, more of that, which was good because it was healthy. But then there was a tension in it as well. So I started to recognize that. So, And then along the way, it's just like, oh, we're actually born to let go. We're born to get rid of stuff. All this bottling up and get more houses and get more education and, and get more. You know, the shoulders come up and then we become guarded and, and it breeds tension and it breeds disease, breeds disease and it breeds all sorts of patterns. So it's a nice cheeky little thing to hold. It's just like, ah, oh, yeah, we are actually born to let go. We're born to free fall into this lifetime and to explore and to play with absolute respect and absolute discipline, you know, where it's required and, you know, along the way, but play. Be kind to yourself, compassionate. Find the things you love. Because you're going to find things you hate. You don't have to go looking for that. There's going to be heaps of dickheads along the way that are going to just like present with all of their opinions. And you know, you don't need to go looking for them. Just keep finding the things that bring you joy. And then when you find the things that don't bring you joy, 
you'll be able to soft, softly smile and go, okay, cool, I see you, thank you. You're helping me grow, you're helping me see what I can take from this and what I can let go from this and moving on. Love that. Softly smiling and bowing to it, the things that don't serve us anymore and then allowing it to leave, to let it go. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's some incredible. Um, I'm just going to cruise over to Matt here. Um, Shane, um, just with the, the path, you're talking about finding a path or changing your your well-worn um, tracks. Is is that as simple as, I don't know, listening to you or what I call your heart instead of your head sometimes? Because I've, I've kind of been going down this, I've got this well-worn path and it feels like it's led from the head. And I've, it's like I've got this little thing inside saying, do this and do this and do this. And, and it feels like I've got maybe, I don't know, this, this kind of parent leading the way, but I've got this little thing inside of me that's it's going. No, we want to we want to do this, or we won't. We don't want to do that. That's boring. Yeah, well, you know, you're you're recognizing something different. You, there's a there's a differentiation now between what the head is saying and something else you're feeling. So you can kind of um, play with that now. You know, you might follow a path that might lead you. You know somewhere amazing but it also might lead you somewhere quite confusing and and um challenging but there's always there's a reason for it and there's you know you always the things that i you know i talk about there's plenty of us here and all we've got all our different things that we love it's not the work and it's not necessarily the family stuff and it's just something that's unique to us it might be reading although obviously we're using our head to read but wherever we're dropping out of our head and down into the heart, we become far more absorbed, whole, much more wholly absorbed in something. And if I use my head to drive from, you know, where I live towards the beach, I go, okay, this is the quickest way, this is where I'm going, and I, I'm going from here to the beach, but I'm missing the journey, I could go, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to go down this road. I always see it. And I'm going to go down this. There's time today, and I'm going to go and explore this. And and that's a bit more, you know, the heart compass, listening to the heart compass. You can't always just do what the heart wants because you might lose your job or you might get divorced or, you know, or your kids might start freaking out, whatever. But it's it's recognising it when it's leading you somewhere or speaking to you and just go, ah, I see you, cool. And then there's a conversation and then there's a, there's a, there's a new thread that's kind of communicating to you. And then that thread gets stronger and bigger. And and the two eventually, hopefully, become one. You know, the 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 mind and the heart become one. There's a there's a saying that this is the Buddha's mind. The heart is the Buddha's mind. Because there's this clarity, still in action, still talking, still doing stuff, but it's all coming from here. It's coming from the Buddha's mind, the heart. Sometimes you've got to you've got to bring in a little bit of discipline. You're like, okay, today I'm driving a different way to work. I'm gonna drive home a different way. Wherever you you know you go to shopping at the same Aldi, maybe you got time to drive to a completely different Aldi or just mundane things. And then the heart is a bit freer. You're out of the head. You're out of the. This is what I normally do. This is what I'm doing. This is 
and there's thoughts and thoughts because it's so comfortable. So the mind just likes to do other things. Where when when it's a new path, you drive through a new town, it can be a shitty old town relative to maybe whatever, you know, a beautiful town. Uh, and you'd be like, oh, I've never been here. And you kind of like, oh, wow, look at that old building. Look at that strange couple over there. Wow, look at that fountain. I wonder, you become present because it's new. It doesn't have to be pretty and flashy and abundant with gifts and things. Just the fact that it's new and different, the heart becomes alive and present. Absolutely. I know um, when I stopped drinking, Shane, in the first, you know, especially in the first few months, but then, you know, even beyond, it was like this, and I remember talking to Lissy about it once too, that it was like a veil got lifted and suddenly the world was brighter to me. Like I was noticing things like the, you know, the way the light would hit the leaves on the tree. I'd never noticed things like that before. I wasn't, because my mind wasn't there. And, you know, I think this is also part of this ongoing spiritual practice. When you take the alcohol out, we start to reconnect to ourselves and reconnect to our spirit, essentially. We do, we start to notice those things. We notice the beauty in things or we start to change things up and we're doing things differently all of a sudden. So things start to look very different. And I also believe that's part of the spiritual practice when, you know, it's like the lifting of the veil and the connecting to the self. And then suddenly we're seeing things very, very differently. I love that because we are in communion with the world. You know, we're in this conversation. We are part of the world. We're not separate from it. And, uh, yeah, Alcohol, amongst other things, takes us away from that. It, it it creates a fog and a haze, and then slowly this veil. It's 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 nothing more than your eyesight getting better. I mean, it still deteriorates with age. It's nothing more than you starting to hear with a little bit more clarity. You know, everything's ages along the way. You start to taste again. So mm. we. We're in communion or conversation with the world through our, our our five senses, through our senses. So when the senses become sharpened, it's a it's a trip. It's fucking beautiful. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa! There's like twenty six shades of green on that gum tree that I walked past, or you have walked past for ten years. Yeah. And you know, it's that's the mundane. It's it's so spectacular. Yeah. Um, you know, initially it can be bore. Obviously, it can be boring and challenging because other people or other things. You know, alcohol it, it gives us this wild, reckless, unbridled um, experience. But it actually doesn't. It kind of appears like that. Mm. What it takes from you, it gives you some stuff, but what it takes from you is vast, and we don't even realize how much it's taking from us. So when we, you know, get, when we, yeah, show up in our much more vulnerable and authentic self, it can be so challenging and freaky and weird and boring and all of those things. But in time, yeah, the world really starts to sing and, and dance. And then, you know, if you can really become unbridled and vulnerable, you can start to sing and dance with it in your own special way <laughs> yeah oh so good god i could talk about this for 10 hours honestly especially yeah, with, I, so... I, could, I could too you know and 
it's as simple as because it's it's real yeah. and it's available and, and it does bring us joy it brings us freedom and the ultimate freedom is to die at the end of this life and to go that was good heaps of mistakes heaps of shit went wrong but you know what such peace with it all mm. oh yeah amazing if we if you could you give these guys a practice just one very simple practice to try out maybe tomorrow or during the week just to kind of work on whether it's mindfulness, spirituality, what, anything that you've talked about. Can you just give one simple practice that everyone could have a go at? Might be doing the dishes. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll give, you, I'll give you a broad, thank you, Al. I'll give you a broader one, which is, yeah, something that, you know, like the dishes or making the bed, you don't really do it or you do do it and you don't really enjoy it, just just go. It's not going to be much of, you know, you don't have to think for too long about it. You already know what it is. Just turn towards it tomorrow for the next week or whatever and just turn towards it with that soft, cheeky grin and just go, oh, there you are, you bastard, whatever it is, and just maybe don't use the word bastard. Just go, well, you could but in the most loving way and just go, all right, I see you. And there's this internal rubbing of the hands and it's just like, all right, let's dance and just do it again the next day and the next day. But every morning, my practice is I'll get out of bed. I have much more longer, deeper practices moving. Sometimes it's walking, but I will take, you know, three or four conscious breaths, whether it's standing beside my bed or whether I've walked outside and I'll just kind of greet myself and the world in those three breaths. It's me, meeting, just me going, ah, here I am in my body, breathing into it. Here I, Here is the world around me. And it's just kind of that, creating that conscious connection. Really simple. Don't need to chant. We don't need to you know, think about how to do it. We breathe, we get out of bed in the morning. So those two things are happening. Just do it in a, in a conscious and joyful way. You might do it for much longer, but do it for three breaths minimum. And if you get, and if you get an hour down the track tomorrow or, or whatever, you're like, oh, I didn't do it. Just rub your internal little spiritual hands together and go, ha ha, I didn't do it. Who gives a shit? I'm going to do it right now. Maybe tomorrow morning I'll remember and the next morning and be super compassionate and be playful in it. But take three conscious breaths in the morning, long, deep breaths. Here I am in my body. Here I am in the world again. Let's go. Yeah, let's dance. Mm. Oh, I love it. You bloody legend. Oh, Shane, thank you so much. That was such a beautiful conversation. You are incredible. Thanks, everyone. Take your three breaths, greet yourself and greet your work, greet the world. It's like you're looking in the mirror, but you're looking out. Yeah. And then find your one, your one mundane task to start to fall in love with a little bit. Fall in love with the mundane. I love that, Shane. You got lots of comments from everyone saying that they loved it. Thank you. Yeah, amazing. My pleasure. It really is my pleasure. Thank you so much, everyone. Oh, Shane, I could listen to you talk all fucking day and night and beyond but unfortunately we have to go so firstly thank you everyone from the grads group for joining in tonight and having this conversation but mostly to you Shane Turner 
Uh, you are incredible, absolutely incredible. And so if people want to reach out to you um, in particular, they can go to thepranaproject.com and they can reach out to you that way. Would you say that's the best way, Shane? Yeah, definitely. That's got all of the things that we're, we are doing and um, working towards. And it's been great talking with you all. And thank you, Danny. I, like I said before, I don't talk a lot. But when it comes to this sort of stuff, life and 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 what's going on as a human being and, and the world we live in, I, I just find myself wanting to talk and talk and talk. It, I, I really adore it. And I adore the the impact we can have on on each other when we show up and and you know tap into our truth and our, our power. So yeah, thanks again. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks, Shane. See ya. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.